Shalom Aleichem Vaisai. This week's parasha, Parashas Neschanan, which is usually the Shabbos that comes out after Tishamov. We call the Shabbos Shabbos Nachamu because of the after that we lain on Shabbos Nachamu. Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. Now, in Parashas Neschanan, it's interesting that we bring part of the, in part of the parasha the Kriya that we lain on Tishabav morning. Um, as Moshe Rabbeinu was preparing for Sira, which is a bit, part of the Varim deals with that, Moshe Rabbeinu preparing Kvar Yisrael <coughs> for, uh, for getting ready to go into Yisrael and how to manage through the different challenges they might be confronted with. He also gives them Tachacha for the different things that happen in the Midbar and how they have to learn for the future to be able to avoid those things. He talks about the Miraglim. He talks about the Chata Egel. Different things wind up being brought up. Now, one of the things that Moshe Rabbeinu tells Kaisrael, as far as what might be happening in the future, the Pasuk says in Perich of Dalet, Pasuk of Teich, When you will come to Israel and you will be blessed with children and grandchildren and become very, very comfortable and established in the land, and you'll be there for a long time. As she says, how long? As she says, the Gematria of the Shantim is 852. The intention was for, for 852 years. The end was really 850. As she explains why. But after you're there for a long time and you become comfortable there, the Moshe Rabbeinu informs then that there will be a point where things might turn to a different direction. Bishchatim, that you'll become corrupt and you begin to create, uh, make different types of idols in any form. You'll be doing bad in the eyes of Hashem and to anger Him. And we saw it, if you look in the Nevi'im, we see the different generations where at certain points where Pahisra was, was doing that in Hashem and in different points where where there are different kings and different uh, leaders that that uh, stirred Pahisra in the wrong direction. I'm asking the heaven and the earth to stand testimony. That uh, that uh, I will quickly uh, wipe you out from the land which you've crossed over the island to come in to inherit. You'll have to go out of the land. And the prophet tells they'll be put into Gullus and they'll be amongst all the nations. They're going to be a minority. And then the Pasuk talks about that they're going to eventually start to worship Avodah Zarah, uh, worshipping things made out of wood and stone instead of, instead of serving Hashem. And after Christ so reach, is going to reach that rock bottom, the Pasuk says, we'll be Hashem Eventually, you're going to realize there's nothing here in the world for you. And you're going to realize, and you're going to search and reach out to Hashem, you're going to find Him. But when is that? When will you find Him? Find the Kodesh Baruch Hu? He said, Yishenu b'chalavadcha When you search for Him with your complete heart and your complete soul. Sincerely, completely sincerely, with a full heart and a full soul. When you're amongst all this distress and difficulty, and you will turn back to the Kodesh Baruch Hu and listen 
<coughs> to what he's to what he's uh, telling you. And Akash Baruch Hu will take you back and accept you. Like the Pasuk says, He kelled Achim Hashem Akafi, He's a merciful God. He's not going to, you know, let you be forsaken and to be destroyed. And he's going to remember the verse that he made with the other Sakdashim, Avon Yitzchak and Yaakov. Christ is going to come to Eretz Yisrael and get to Eretz Yisrael. Now, this Pesukim, it tells us that when we will search for Hashem, it only works when we, when we do it, B'chol Avavcha, B'chol Nafshecha, which is really the secret for us in connecting with Hashem. We know that when we refer to B'chol Avavcha, we talk about also Avodah which is Trila. And the only way that a person can really come to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Tfila is if he comes and he just realizes it's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the address for everything. And we can see the, we can see the greatness of the power of Tfila. You know, I saw brought down from Ruben that the story was of Akiva Eger. Akiva Eger, the Goyen, Hagadu, Akiva Eger, Tzatzal, that um, used to have a, used to have a minhag, a custom, every day, his avayda, his avayda Hashem to go be mevaker chaylam. Every day he would go to different chaylam to go be mevaker to visit them. At one point, there was a very very sick man, a Jew uh, that was in this living in the city, that was in critical condition. Basically, the doctors had given hope on him. Kiva came to visit him, and he saw that this person was in a very dire situation. They wanted to try to help to see what could be done to be able to help this uh, yid. So he knew that there was a doctor that used to take care of the king. Um, the king was a guy, and uh, the, the doctor used to take care of him. There was a very famous and professional doctor, and uh, he felt that if he would try to get this doctor to take a look, maybe he could save this person's life. So, he, but you know, he needed connections to get this doctor. So he spoke to the people which were in charge of the community. The him. And he said, can you somehow get this doctor to come help him? He said, help me. He said, it's going to cost a lot of money. And he said, no problem. We're going to pay him. But get him. Let's go. We have, you know, Pesuach Nefesh, we have to save this person's life. So they worked on it. And they got him to come. The doctor comes, looks at the situation, looks at the person, looks at the, you know, the medical history and says, uh, what should I tell you? I don't, I have to, I have to agree with the other doctors. There's nothing to do for him. It's, 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 you know, <laughs> I can't help. So the Kivega didn't give up. And he said to the doctor, tell me if this was a king that had the same situation, would you also, would you also uh, say over here that it's finished and there's nothing to do, just let's give up? Because I'm sure that if he was the king, then there would be a chance. Because there is a a remedy to be able to save him with this problem that he has. But he, only a king can get hands up. Why? Give a He said because there's, the way how we are able to heal this sickness is with a very, very rare bird that you find flying outside in the in the, in the desert, and the, you know, and the only way to find it is with having hunters to go to find it. But it's such a rare bird that you have to have hundreds of hunters out to trying to find it in all different places. That's only something which is possible by somebody who has the, the financial backing and the power to enforce such a thing, and the king could do that. But this simple Jew over here, he's not going to be able to do that. Here he pays off the doctor, and says, thank you for your advice, and the doctor goes off, and the Kibbega goes to the window, and he starts to cry out, this is your kin, this is your child that's sick right now, is it possible that your own child should be in a worse off situation than a king that's a guy, 
that this child is going to leave alone without being able to heal him. He needs this bird for this refuah. Instantly, all of a sudden, this bird shows up by the windowsill. The Kivega takes in the bird. They take part of the bird, and they, they, they shaft it, and they get it ready to, to make something over there. And they take part of the bird, that uh, they leave it as a, as, a, as, a, as a, you know, to prove that they have this bird over here. And he, they cooked it up, and they gave him to drink, and sure enough, this person was healed. A while later, the doctor comes to see what's doing, and to see what happened to this person. He died, he did not die, and he seems 100% healthy. So how did you do this? I got the bird. How did you get the bird? Uh, I prayed, it came. And said, I don't believe you. So he t- took out the the uh, the parts that he left over from the bird to show, and the doctor was amazed. The Kerf of can reach such high and tremendous places, but you have to know how to do it. So they tell a story with, uh, in the time of Chaim Rolajna. So there was a Yid, his name was Chaim Rolajna, I think. And he was a big Ever Hashem, and he was a very uh, strong example for Tvila. And when people watch him davening, you're able to see his, uh, you know, how how intense he was and how how engaged he was in the Tvila. Nothing else would, would get in his way of the Tvila. In fact, there was a story that happened with him that he was uh, he was he would work with Panasa in a factory, a factory owned by a guy. And the way it worked in this factory was that they had an hour off every day for lunch, for lunch period, lunch break. And, uh, you know, everybody would go out, do their things, shopping, take care of things. They want to go spend some time with somebody. They were off for an hour. But this was Chaim would always stay inside the the uh, factory and not go out. One time he said, you know, I didn't have mincha. After that mincha, I guess his mom was getting early. After that mincha. So he decided, I'll lock up the factory. That way nobody's going to come in and go out because I'm the only one here. And, you know, uh, I'll lock the one. I'll down Mincha. I'll open it up. I have time finished. Meanwhile, he's in a little davening. And the boss, the guy, comes to, to the factory. He needs to get inside to go take care of things to work. And he, he, the door's locked. He knocks and knocks and knocks on the door. And he says, someone there opened up the door. He knew that this Chaim used to stay inside there and didn't go out. So he thought that he should be inside. Chaim, open up, open up. No answer, nothing. He climbs on the ladder, looks inside the window, and he sees this Shachayim standing there, you know, not really moving so much, and, and like, you know, uh, you know, engaged in something. And he called out to him, Chaim, open the door. No response. Nothing. He says, you open up the door. What's going on? Knocking on the door. He starts taking metal bars and banging on the doors, and the, the neighbors started coming, and then the guy started to complain to the, the so what, he's making a joke out of me, he's making a son out of me. I, I came here from the boss, he's not letting me in, and they started to say terrible things about the, this Jew and how what the chutzpah, you know, he is, and how can you do that? And then the, the guy said, you should just know, honestly, he's a very sincere person. I'm, it's a pleasure to have him over here. I don't understand this, in fact, because he's usually very courteous, very, very, uh, you know, forthcoming and a, and a very good worker. I don't understand this. So he's calling out, Chaim, open up, open up. He wouldn't budge. So finally says, you know, if you don't open up the door, I'm going to have to start shooting towards you. And so Chaim doesn't respond. Until this uh, guy lost his patience, he took out his gun, he started shooting towards uh, this Chaim. And well, nothing hit him, nothing hurt him. And but he didn't budge. They were like shocked, like he didn't bend over, he didn't move, he didn't, uh, you know, try to protect himself. He just was going on, he's davening. Until finally, the the um, 
he finished his Shemana yesterday, and then the, and the boss said, Chaim, open the door. And Chaim came right away, and he opened up the door. He said, what's the matter? Why did you open the door? I called you, he said, the second I heard you, you just told me, I called you up, I opened it up. Did you didn't hear all the shooting, the bang? No, I don't know what you're talking about. That's the point where a person can be in tefillah, where he becomes so involved in the tefillah that he doesn't get distracted. But how does a person come to that level of being able to have a tefillah like that? One time they asked us, Chaim, how do you do it? What's your secret? So he told over the following marshal. He told over a marshal of a king that was very, very, um, very wealthy that was looking for entertainment. So he got together a bunch of people, which were architects and, and you know contractors that build buildings, and uh, and he told them, you know what, listen, you know I would like to see something interesting over here. If any of you can build for me a palace that can fill inside it three million gold coins, exactly, not any space more or less, exactly that amount of space, then I'm ready to let whoever does that to keep the coins. So that's a good deal. That was a lot of money. So they all got to work on trying to figure out an answer how they can do it. So finally, there was one architect that was able to design the building. And he was like he was like a famous architect, and he did it. And everyone wants to see if he's going to be the one that's going to be successful. So they built this whole building, and they have like the sh- you know he came to show it off, and everybody came and they put in all the coins. They got to the last coin, and there was a space that they were able to get in there, but there wasn't, and they're pushing it in pushing him in to get in, because once it gets in there, then he's then he's 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 got it. But he's like he's like trying to like force it in there. He says, No, 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 I made it so precise, it shouldn't be like that. If if, if it's not going in, there's something wrong. So he has them take out all the coins and sure enough they looked on the floor and they saw on the floor that there was a piece of cement or dirt the uh, cement or you know uh, you know like a pile of uh, dirt or mud or something that was that was clumping up on on the ground and therefore since it wasn't smoothed out that was what was stopping the coin from going in they smoothed it out and then everything fit in perfectly. Explain this with Chaim. If you want to know how your tefillah can work, it has to be with a pure, clean wave without anything else being involved in, without getting anything else involved and and and, and you know distracting the tefillah. When you come to a point where you realize it's me and HaKadosh Baruch Hu and nothing else, and I realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the address for where I have to go, then that's the Hatzlacha to the Tila. Now there's a famous you know, Rashi at the end of Tainus, I think I've mentioned it before, where the Gemara discusses the day of Tuba Av, which is really tonight. And tonight is the Tuba Av, the 15th of Av. And the Gemara talks about the different reasons why it's a Yamtif, so one of the things that's mentioned over there is that the, the mason of the Midbar that were dying over the 40 years in the Midbar, there's a Zera after the Chetas Meraglim, that anyone between 20 and 40 years old would die on uh, would die uh, throughout those 40 years in the Midbar, and then they would go into Eretz Yisrael. Now, every single, let's say there was 600,000 between the age of 20 and 60, so let's say there were about 15,000 people a year that would die. That did it work. It happened on Tisha B'Av. And nobody knew when it was going to be on Tisha B'Av that the person might possibly die. So Rashi explains, every single year on the night of Tisha B'Av, everybody dug a grave. And everybody would crawl into this grave and lie down as if to prepare themselves for death. And they would wait till the morning till there would be an announcement that would say that the the people which are alive, should separate, alive they should separate themselves from the people that are dead. 
and come up and get up, and then the people that were alive would get up, and then the 15,000 or so that were left would stay inside, and that's what would happen every single year on Tisha B'Av. In the, year, the 40th year, there was the last, last group that was left, the last people that were left over, and uh, they went into their graves on, on the night of Tisha B'Av, and in the morning, they all woke up, Okay, we must have calculated the month wrong, which Chedesh must have been, uh, you know, uh, later. And uh, they went back in the next night, same thing. Next night, the same thing, till they came to the middle of the month, Tuba Av, and they saw the moon was full, realized, oh, there was no mistake, because it's already the 15th of the month. We didn't miss Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av already passed, and we're all still alive. And it became a tremendous yantif, and uh, that's why, one of the reasons why you celebrate Tuba Av. Now, and the question is, what happened? There was a Xera that they weren't supposed to go into Israel. They were supposed to die in the middle. So what happened? What was different? So the Bali must explain that there was a difference in the Tefillah between the people that went into their graves the last year and the, the 39 years before that. The ones that went into the graves the, the years before that they also damned HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They all damned HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Please let me be saved. Let me be with my family. Let me continue. Let me be able to continue. Let me, let the, please be involved from the Zayla. Let me, let me, let me, let, you know, let, let, let us all go and tell you to show all the types of feelings that they tried. But on, on the, on, on one, on the other hand, each one knew that there's a possibility that it's not going to be them this year because it didn't have to be them. So when they daven, they daven, but they thought there's a chance. Without, without my davening, I'll be okay, because maybe it's not my turn. Therefore, in those, in, in, in those 39 years, the people that, uh, you know, wasn't enough to move out of the Xayla, the people wasn't enough to move out of the Xayla. In year number 40, when you had the last group that was left, they knew there's no place to turn. We're finished without a Kodesh Bohu. They realized that, that the only place to turn to Kodesh Bohu was for his mercy and for his chesed, to be able to be able to, to save them, that tefillah was that sincere tefillah, the chalavavsim, the that was able to bring the person to the point where he's able to connect himself to, to, to Kaddish Baruch Hu, and that was able to save them. But the tefillah has to be without anything there, nothing in between you, and, and that's why we have this with Chayim, who had the prayer to be able to, to, to dabble without noticing anything going around him. And it's really the same thing with Torah. When a person's learning Torah and he connects himself to Torah and he builds a connection with it, then also there's no distraction. You know, I once, there's a Tabat Chacham in Yeshiva that told me he once went to Eliyashiv, Satel, to ask him a Shaila. You know, when a, a person is learning or making brachas, so he can't be facing next to something which is considered an erva. So when a, a woman's hair is uncovered, that's considered an erva. As far as a person being able to make a bracha, um, or a woman's singing, voice singing, that's something which is considered an erva, right? So the question was, what do I do? This person asked me, what do I do if I'm learning in my house at night, and while I'm learning, I all of a sudden hear my wife singing Kriyashma with my children at night. Is it okay for me to continue learning? So Vilyashva looked at him and said, I don't understand the Shaila. If you're learning, then you're not going to hear anything. He says, well, what if I do hear? He said, I don't understand the Shaila. If you're learning... You're, you're not going to hear anything. Those of Yasha's dagger of connection with the tail is such a strong connection, the whole, of, the whole lave and everything, that nothing can get in between them, nothing can distract them. So when I realize that my only dress is a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and I'm there, and I'm with a Kodesh Baruch Hu without letting anything else get in the way, and I'm able to connect and bring myself to different places. 
But that's when I realized that it's all made me day Shemai. You know, the Hlendorf of Misa that you've heard from me before, I was the Panavichirov. The Panavichirov's grandson of Leza Kahneman one time spoke to us when we brought the yeshiva there for a Shabbaton to Nebrak. He one time told us a story about his grandfather. He said, my Zayda came from, uh, from Europe, a broken person, lost his whole family, lost his wife, children, and he had to rebuild his whole life coming to Eretz Yisrael. And he came to Eretz Yisrael, and he, at one point he looked up at the top of Nebrak, and he said, over there I'm going to build one of the biggest, one of the biggest yeshivas in the world. Everyone looked at him, okay, you're a good dreamer, but you know, uh, you know, uh, to you. And sure enough, as time went on, everybody was, was so surprised and so overwhelmed by the tremendous building, which and the whole campus on top of 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 uh, Nebrak, which is the crown of Nebrak, right, that uh, to see that what was built. One of the Amidu was one standing next to the Pandavich Rav, and he said, "That is unbelievable." The Tzadik the Shmaya that you had to build this to build this uh, yeshiva. The Tzadik the Shmaya had no Tzadik the Shmaya. What do you mean you had no Tzadik the Shmaya? Of course you had Tzadik the Shmaya. I had absolutely no Tzadik the Shmaya. After a while, going back and forth, the 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 Pandavich Rav explained himself. He said Tzadik the Shmaya means that I did something. A Kodesh Baruch Hu helped me. Kodesh Baruch Hu didn't help me one bit. He did it all. When a person realizes that Baruch Hashem Baruch Hu gives us the opportunity to feel uh, that we're being matzlech and doing things, when we realize that all hatzlacha is all being orchestrated and all with the Ratzon Hashem Baruch Hu, then when we realize that, that and we take every other element out of the way, blame, oh, this will happen because of this and because of this and because of this, that's why I have it. And I realize, then we can come to different places. Mitzvah Hashem, we should all be zaycha. You know, Tisha B'Av comes right before Elul. Vobo explained many times in Mir Yeshiva that Akash Baruch Hu gives that patch in Tisha B'Av. But the point of that patch is not to throw us away, it's to wake us up so we come back closer to Him. Just like the, the Pasha was said over there, when Kaiso will go away, but then they're going to come to be searching for Akash Baruch Hu. Because we know the truth, Anishama knows the truth. Where we want to be, what we have to do, where we get so caught up with the things that distract us. So, those if we work now, these few weeks now, even before El, and we <coughs> we prepare ourselves to be able to come to that level where we can daven b'chol levavchol b'chol nafshicha, that will bring us to the point where we can come to El v'anila daidiv daidivli, and Rish Hashem to give us a chance to prepare ourselves for a good kibbutz jar. Everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos and kol tov batzlacha.